Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is Balanced Inventory. In ACA, we look at our parents' behavior, family roles, rules, messages, abuse, neglect, and how that affects us as adults. We balance the inventory of our family system with a thorough inventory of our own behavior. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday who I, you know, I, I feel like has significant recovery, and he mentioned the role of journaling and how writing multiple times a day, you know, has been so much more effective than therapy. And, you know, I was like, well, what prompts would you write from? And I look at this first paragraph, you know, there's plenty of here. Our parents' behavior, our family roles, rules, messages, abuse, neglect, and how that affects us as adults. And, you know, I think the family roles, you know, were, you know, and I think that I went into, oh, yeah, I was either a hero child or a lost child. But I got to I gotta think about that. You know, because the one thing I don't identify with is a caretaker, and I feel like that's the blind spot. You know, and I think the step one in ACA is always tough because we're not powerless. But you know, I'm not responsible for other people's happiness. You know, and it's not my fault. You know, you can't cause it, control it, cure it. I think that's an Al-Anon thing. Um, you know, and so for me, that was the role. Like even now, as 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 my life gets bigger. Um, I feel that, you know, I'm still, people are still living through me. And, you know, if I want people to live through me, and I think this has a lot to do with my workaholism, you know, then I need time and I need a lot of time to focus. And, you know, I think of John Bradshaw and this becomes more of a superhuman, you know, not being a, a human being. And so in a lot of ways, just this is the first time I've really have to examine the, the caretaker role. And then, you know, obviously, you know, the family disease of alcoholism is going to, you know, have a para-alcoholic or, you know, codependent. Um, so, you know, there's that part of it. And to, you know, have a negative love syndrome, which is, uh, you know, something I learned from one of the most uh, amazing courses and, and feeling either loyal, you know, either surrendering or rebelling against uh, this kind of behavior so when I look at those family roles, and the rules were to shine, but don't outshine the master. Don't make people uncomfortable. And for me, creativity is messy. And in, in that role, I wasn't able to make mistakes. You know, the, the grades, everything was expected to be very linear. And it wasn't just not, you know, it's on one hand, I fear like losing my job or fear a whole bunch of things. And on the other hand, you know, you know the big book mentions, you know, we are beaten into a state of reasonableness. And, um, you know, that's why a lot of times adversity is like the best. You know, I never thought that losing my job and losing my girlfriend, basically super, uh, simultaneously three and a half years ago, was the single greatest event in my life. You know, it wasn't like the achievements. You know, I, I mean, of course, I'm really happy to get a graduate degree in, in a profession that I loved. It was great. But, you know, that may or may not have brought me to a, you know, a connection greater than myself. And, you know, I think greater than myself is just people, you know, in the rooms and higher power. Now I look at those rules, the messages, you know, was just about being lazy. And that's just not true. You know, as someone said, I'm not lazy, I have PTSD. The abuse, the verbal um, is very challenging. Um, and just, you know, I really understand, like, I'm really into high performance and have been looking at Andrew Huberman's podcast lately. And, uh, you know, it's been hard, you know, then there's the neglect, the emotional neglect, you know, the fact that, you know, being taught not about romance and finance. And I think at a certain point, and then, and that 
it's not a blame thing now. I mean, it's more of accountability, you know, as I continue to do this, you know, I, I would like to evolve, you know, as, but do need to, you know, look at that and then look at my own behavior as it says here, you know, like what things that, what things, you know, what are my defaults that I, you know, decided at a certain day, you know, like don't cry, you know, where did that come from? Don't trust, you know, don't feel, you know, these, these character defaults no longer serve me anymore. They were, you know, survival instincts, you know, um, being late, like that doesn't serve me. Um, being slothful, you know, that doesn't serve me. So, you know, like that balanced look, I love that topic, balanced inventory back to the reading. Step four, maybe the first time many of us tell our whole story to someone else. Yeah, that was for me. And, it, you know, Bryn Brown, Brene Brown talks about like the way to talk about shame, a uh, way to re reduce shame is to talk about it. And uh, I've never had an environment in my life till the rooms where I could talk about it and talk about it consistently. This is a remarkable event, one that leaves us with a sense of wholeness we've never experienced before, you know, and that's a mantra I want to say is like, I deserve to be whole. The idea we may have been carrying around that we were unlovable is now slowly melting away. You know, the rooms will love you until you love yourself. One of the wonderful things about ACA is that our four-step inventory helps us understand where we truly came from and who we're becoming. We accept all of what we were given so that we can decide what to keep. When we take our inventory, we make it balanced, recognizing that we are, we are now making our own choices. We're no longer blindly accepting what others have implanted in our minds. We don't have to carry all the abuse and neglect that were passed down to us generationally. The balance we learn allows us to see where we need to go. We continue to keep the focus on ourselves and change what we can. We no longer look for temporary solutions to life's problems. On this day, I will trust my direction. I've begun to see more clearly that this new path I walk will give me the freedom that I deserve. The next reading comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and oof, these readings are powerful. We became addicted to excitement. For most people, a lot of things can create excitement. Seeing a new movie, having a favorite old friend visit, preparing for a holiday, shopping, getting a new pet, celebrating birthdays, and even sex. But the problem for adult children is our need to create excitement in order to feel alive. Too often, this is done in a negative way that harms us in our relationships. And, you know, one way that I can create excitement is just procrastinate, uh, you know, and a way to procrastinate is not to plan. I realized that, you know, when I have clarity and serenity, that's the opposite of the excitement. Now, there are going to be things to be excited about, like the Conor McGregor fight on Saturday. Um, I was excited about it and that was legitimate. And interestingly, I had a great time watching it and then I beat myself up for having fun and so those are the things, um, you know, and when I look at it, um, an old friend visiting, preparing for a holiday, um, never done preparing for a holiday outside of going to Costa Rica, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, shopping. Um, it's just celebrating birthdays and even sex. I mean, these were things that getting a new pet, never had a pet, I'm not really complaining, I'm just noticing. In adulthood, this addiction to excitement can play out in many ways, including starting frequent arguments with a spouse, um, having an affair that creates excitement and then pain, playing extreme sports because we crave the adrenaline rush, or using drugs or alcohol to feel up. I remember in, in my drinking days, I would just sit there on, and just, you know, we'd be having a conversation and I'd just be like, this is boring. And I knew that, you know, putting some, some <laughs> alcohol in my system would make things let's, um, not as boring. Uh, back to the reading. Um, uh, 
if we don't have a certain level of excitement in our lives on a regular basis, we feel like life is boring. Something's just not right. We're missing out or maybe we're not, just not loved. And I think the ch challenge for me is to realize that, my friends, is clarity and serenity. In recovery, we can identify the ways in which we create excitement that harms us and our loved ones. We then learn to stop ourselves before we go over the line. This can give us a sense of calm that may seem uncomfortable at first, but we'll get used to it. This is part of learning who we are. On this day, I pray for the wisdom to identify negative excitement that I may create. I no longer wish to harm myself and others by behavior. Really seeing like step 10 is just a really important step. Um, now, the next reading, these have been powerful ones and elicited a lot from me. The next reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go. The topic is letting go of fear of abandonment. Where are you, God? Where did you go? So many people have gone away. We may have felt so alone so much. In the midst of our struggles and lessons, we may wonder if God has gone away too. And I think that's, you know, I'm trying to understand or feel or experiment with what solitude is versus being alone. There are wondrous days when we feel God's protection and presence, leading and guiding each step and event. There are gray days, dry days of spiritual barrenness when we wonder if anything in our life is guided or planned, wondering if God knows or cares. Seek quiet times on the gray days. Force discipline and obedience until the answer comes, because it will. Yeah, I, I got a message earlier this morning from my spiritual self that just wait. The answers will come. And I think, again, getting back to that second reading, that's one way that the addiction to excitement manifests itself. It's like, okay, okay, I got to force it. Back to the reading. I've not gone away, child. I'm here always. Rest in me, in confidence. All in your life is being guided and planned. Each detail. I know, and I care. Things are being worked out as quickly as possible for your highest good. Trust and be grateful. I'm right here. Soon you will see and know. Today, I will remember that God has not abandoned me. I can trust that God is leading, guiding, directing, and planning and love each detail of my life. And I think that's where the co-creation kind of comes from. And the final reading also comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go. And the topic is bring any request to God. Bring any request you have to God. No request is too large, none too small, or insignificant. How often we limit God by not bringing to God everything we want and need. Do we need help getting our balance, getting through the day? Do we need help in a particular relationship with a particular character defect, attaining a character asset? And, you know, this dovetails really much with, I'm reading Gabrielle Bernstein's book, Super Attractor, and it just says, you know, to bring spiritual, uh, you know, bring, bring a higher power into any area of your life and i just i thought that you could only ask for that in you know emergencies you know and even like not even in like the work or the dating life you know i just remember when someone said just send your higher power in for a date and i was like what um and and, and that to me realizes that you know god is not some anthropomorphized version uh you know version of my dad god is just this like you know as seek in this formless, you know, ubiquitous everywhere. Do we need help in a particular relationship with a particular character defect? Attaining a character asset. Do we need help making progress on a particular task that is challenging us? Do we need help with a feeling? Do we want to change a self-defeating belief that has been challenging us? Do we need information and insight, support, a friend? Is there something in God's universe that would really bring us joy? We can ask for it. We can ask for God for whatever we want. I'm going to say that two more times and slowly. We can ask for it. We can ask, for, we can ask God for whatever we want. We can ask God for whatever we want. 
Put the request in God's hands, trusting it has been heard, and don't let it go. Leave the decision to God. It's like God's the best boss you could ever have. <laughs> Asking for what we want and need is taking care of ourselves. Trust that the higher power to whom we have turned our, over our life, step three, and will really care about us and about what we want and need. Today, I will ask my, uh, uh, my higher power for what I want and need. Maybe t enough time, money, and love. I will not demand. I will ask. Then... I will let go. And that concludes today's readings of Recovering My Inner Child. Until next time, this is Kuan Saluja reminding myself to pause because that's where God is. To request anything, a request is different than a demand. To don't, you, just, don't just do something, sit there. And to f feel my feelings and you know, write about them and pause more often. Until next time.